If the storm had been no threat, he wouldn't have calmed it. If, if it had been simply a, a little rough water, he would have just giggled at them and left it at that. But he wakes up and rebukes the storm. He muzzles it and insists that it return to calm. So why is he rebuking them then? If they're not wrong to be afraid, where is their wrong? They're wrong only in that they are not so much afraid of the storm as they are afraid of God. And this is what Jesus recognizes. When he wakes up, the first thing he does is rebuke the, the storm. Peace be still. He rebukes the winds and the water. Everything returns to its true nature. And then Jesus turns to them and asks them a question. Why are you afraid? Jesus does not speak meaninglessly. And he doesn't ask rhetorical questions. This is a question that's meant to bring them to the truth. Well, I'm afraid of the storm, Jesus. Yes, but what else are you afraid of? Well, I'm afraid that we're going to die here, and these people who are with us, who are coming with you, they're going to die. I'm afraid that you're going to die. Why are you afraid? And at the root of it, what he's naming is the fact that they're afraid that God is capricious. Unreliable dangerous, and that at the worst moment, God is going to turn on them. And so Jesus says, why are you afraid? Why do you have such little faith? And again, this can sound so demeaning. It can sound as if Jesus is humiliating them. You have such little faith. But that's not who Jesus is, and that's not how God speaks to us. By asking that question, why are you afraid, and then calling attention to their little faith, he's actually calling attention to the problem they actually have, which is they don't trust God, and creating in them awareness that what you need here is not better skill on the water. It's faith in the God who's with you. You don't need more expertise about how to manage life. You know all that already. What you need is an absolute confidence that God is not like the weather. God is not capricious. God doesn't suddenly turn. God doesn't have moods. God isn't up and down. God doesn't have sides. God is always only faithful to you, and he's always only working for your good. You have to learn to live by faith and not by sight, not by denying reality, but refusing to let what you're experiencing dictate what you know to be true about your relation to God and God's purposes in the world. This is what you have to know, that even if the storm takes you down, God is the God who raises the dead. In the psalm that we heard today, it says that they saw God's wonders in the deep, not just on the deep, but in the deep. And what it means to be a man or a woman, a person of faith, is to recognize that sometimes the storm does not get calmed. Thankfully, in this case, it did. In most cases in our lives, it does. Sometimes the storm does not get calm. But even if the storm overtakes the boat, if you end up in the water, Jonah, God is the God who raises the dead. And that's what makes Jesus the new Jonah. He's asleep in the boat, just like Jonah was. A storm comes. They wake Jesus up. But instead of Jesus bringing calm just through his own sacrifice... He draws attention to their faith, their lack of it, 
and calls them to learn to live in confidence of God's goodness. This is what Paul has. This is what Job does not have. Job ends up despising himself. I see you, God, and I hate myself. But notice what happens to these disciples. When Jesus calms the storm, they're not humiliated. They're just humbled. And they say, who is this that calms even the storms? And this is the difference between hearing God and hearing God. I mean, Job hears God, but he doesn't hear God. He hears what he's afraid God is saying and feels overwhelmed by it. He falls on his face in humiliation, reduced to nothing. I hate myself. But the disciples hear, just for a moment, they hear and they realize what matters here is who he is, not what I'm not. This is what Paul understands. We're poor. We possess everything. We're cast down, but we're not destroyed. We're alone, but we're not forsaken. This, this is what Paul understands. And the striking point, and I'll leave you with this, is that the very next thing that happens in the Gospel of Mark, so Jesus calms the storm, he calls attention to this problem in the souls of the disciples, and then they reach the other side. And this man, who's possessed of many demons, legion, comes rushing to the shoreline. And what you realize has happened is that this man, whose life is just utterly wrecked, he's almost certainly a, a Roman legionnaire who's in this foreign land, eaten up now with guilt, haunted by his own past, just riddled with the demonic. And he's on the shore amongst the graves, and he sees a storm, and he sees that story play out. He sees the panic on the disciples. He sees this guy rousing himself from sleep and wiping his eyes, and then suddenly the storm is over, and the disciples are in awe. And that demonically broken man, the storm inside of him, realizes this is my hope. And he meets them at the shore. And so, this is the lesson for us. You should not deny what you're experiencing. There are reasons to be afraid. But don't let your fear of what's happening, real as it is, ever make you think that God is like the weather. He's Lord of the sea and Lord of the wind. He's not unpredictable. He's absolutely, absolutely, always, in every situation, reliable. You may not understand what he's up to, but he's absolutely reliable. And if you will let him call attention to that true fear, he can calm it. He can bring you back to your true nature, like he brought the sea and the wind back to their true nature. And when he does, it isn't just peace for you. It isn't just a calming for you, but all the people around you, your neighbors, your coworkers, your kids, your parents, your friends, your spouse, they will see Jesus calm you, and they'll come running. Amen.